Amen, amen. Thank you, choir. Wasn't that amazing? That was amazing. I just wish Linda would get excited. If she would get excited, it would be really good. We might have to have them do that song again real soon. Hint, hint. <laughs> real, real soon. That was good. Hey, if you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Man, it is good to be in God's house. And uh, man, I had a great vacation. Amen. A lot of people said, hey, what did you do? You look tan. And I was like, yeah, I went to the beach once. This is the one time to the beach, and I sat at the pool. Most of you know that if I go out in the sun, I usually have to carry a little, little umbrella with me. It's like, you know, but anyway, we, we had a great time, and uh, it was just good to get away. We, a lot of people say, where did you go? Where did you do? I said, we did nothing. We went to, uh, my brother has a place in North Myrtle Beach, and we actually did nothing. It was amazing. I'm going to plan another vacation just like it. It takes a lot of planning when you do nothing, right? You just drive there, get groceries, and do nothing. And so that's what we did. It's good to be in the Lord's house, and I pray that uh, you've already been blessed and encouraged. And uh, today, I'm going to talk to you about something that, uh, really, to be honest, the Lord laid it on my heart a few weeks ago uh, as I went on vacation. And uh, this has been kind of... Uh, I don't know, you know, simmering, so to speak, uh, for a few weeks. And uh, I want to talk to you on the topic that the church matters. The church matters. And I uh, thank you for those who gave a hearty amen. The church matters. And so let's look at what the Bible has to say. And uh, we'll find some very encouraging, comforting words in Hebrews chapter 10. By the way, I don't know if she's in this room or if she's serving somewhere, but I want to give a shout out. I saw a couple of weeks ago, we gave a shout out to Carl Pearson. He's back there. Uh, thank you, Carl, for all you do, and Larry and Jackie and, and Colby and Taylor and Krista and on and on. But I want to give a shout out, and I don't know if she's in this room, Abby Lawson. Is she over in the room? Man, somebody give it up for Abby. Let's let Abby hear you. Uh, Abby celebrated her seven-year anniversary on staff yesterday. And, uh, you know, yesterday was a day of emotions, as uh, yesterday was a year ago that uh, we, we said, uh, see you soon to our loved one, Miss Francis. But it was also an anniversary for Abby, and uh, man, I'll tell you, not a day goes by that I don't miss Francis. And uh, she, what an encouragement she was to me. And I know she was to her family. But let's get in the Word of God, man. I love what God has to say here. Look, we're going to jump around. So start with me in verse number 1, chapter 10, verse number 1. And we're going to read the first six verses. And then we're going to drop and read some other passages. Look here, it says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers or the people... They're unto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? See, if, if the law would have made people perfect, if those sacrifices in the Old Testament, right, would have made people perfect, then they wouldn't have had to do it year after year after year. And so notice what Scripture says. It says, For would they have not been ceased to be offered? It says, Because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscious of sins. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible 
This is what God says. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh, speaking of Jesus, into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body Hast thou prepared me? Jesus knew that he was going to have to offer his body for the sins of the world. Notice what it says in verse 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Now drop down to verse number 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Amen? Look at verse 13. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool... For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Aren't you glad? Say, I'm glad. Aren't you glad that your sins have been washed and settled? The, the old account, as it is said, has been settled long ago. Amen? But now drop down because we're not finished. Look at verse number 19. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he, Jesus, hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, interpretation over the church, notice what it says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith or hope without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Aren't you glad that Jesus is faithful? Look at verse 24. And let us consider one another. In other words, watch out for one another. Take account of one another. Esteem others better than self. Notice it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Oh, the verse that everyone loves to hate. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Oh, my friends, what a wonderful passage of Scripture. And let me just say, I don't know about you, but I love our church. I love Battlefield. Amen? I love the opportunity that we get to worship together. The opportunity that we get to serve together. The opportunity that when we actually do it, that we actually sing together. Do you know I heard some people singing today that I haven't heard sing in about a month? Like, you're like, was it me? Was it me? Only you know that. See, a lot of people come and they never sing. Man, what a great opportunity we have to come and to sing unto our great God and King. I love fellowshipping together. I love studying the Word of God together. I love growing together. I love serving together. And on and on we could go. But the only reason I can love our church, the only reason that I can love fellowshipping and growing and serving and being in God's Word and on and on is because of Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, these are only some of the reasons why the church matters. Obviously, every one of us, we do this thing called life, and I'll talk about that here in a second, but we, we, we deal with our own family matters. Anybody got family matters they're dealing with today? Anybody got some uh, job matters they're dealing with? Uh, if you haven't paid attention in the news, I think every mom and dad is dealing with school matters. 
uh, right now. We're dealing with social matters. We're dealing with health matters. But in the end, if the past 18 months or so have taught me anything, it's that God, that His Word, that spiritual things, and also that His church actually matters. Thank you for the few over here that said amen. His church matters. And the devil has done his darndest to disrupt the church, to disrupt our lives. But you know, it's been said long ago that uh, no man is an island unto himself. You're, you, you may isolate yourself. You may try to separate yourself. You may try to stay away from one another. But you're not an island unto yourself. Everything that we do impacts somebody else. No man, in fact, the scripture reminds us in Romans 14, 7 that no one lives to himself and no one dies to themselves. In fact, we're never truly independent of one another, even when we try to be. Have you ever tried to isolate yourself for a long period of time? You've tried to kind of like, I'm not going to say anything to anyone. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to open my big mouth or it'll just get me in trouble. Have you ever tried to do that? The reality is that maybe we have all tried to do that. But the things that we say, the things that we think, the things that we do, they affect people around us. In fact, I've said many times that we make choices. Anybody remember what I say? We make choices and choices make us. We make choices and choices make us. Do you know, and I understand the health concerns of the day, but I saw this great thing. Listen, we don't need to fear the Delta when we know the Alpha and the Omega, amen? amen? That's just a little quip. You could take that later and put it back in your pocket. Let me tell you something. I'm headed for heaven and I can't help it. Guys, can I tell you, coronavirus isn't going anywhere. Can I tell you, this ain't going nowhere. You're going to have Delta, then you're going to have Echo, then you're going to have Foxtrot. You're going to have all the different names that come on. And we're going to be doing with coronavirus the rest of our lives. But are we going to allow the devil to separate us? I say no, because the church matters. Oh, man, I'm fired up. Been on vacation. Hey, you know, there's plenty of other reasons why the church matters too. You know, the ecclesia, the Greek word ecclesia, or, or speaking of a called out assembly of baptized believers, speaking of the church, it's, it's predominantly defined as the church. The reason it is defined as the church is because we're family. Hey, have you ever had problems with family members in your life before? You ever have that cousin Eddie? If your name's Eddie, I'm sorry. You ever have cousin Eddie that shows up for Thanksgiving and stays till New Year's, right? And you're like, Eddie, please, please, it's just time enough. You need to go, right? I mean, the reality is that we're family, and sometimes family rubs you the wrong way, doesn't it? Anybody ever have a family member rub you the wrong way? Oh, it happens. It happens. And over the past year, I'm just thinking about this passage. Over the past year, this, this, this whole deal that we've been dealing with, you remember it was going to be a couple weeks, and now here we are in a different year, and we're dealing with the same thing. Isn't that what Solomon said? Ain't nothing new under the sun. Same thing, just a different day. But the reality is this world, we're dealing with a lot of issues right now, and I'm not insensitive to the issues. We're dealing with political issues. In fact, let me just tell on myself a little bit. Let me tell on myself a little bit. You say, are you an overly anxious person? No, I'm not. But my wife has caught me over the past couple of months. This is what I do. I'm like... Am I running a fever? She saw me on vacation. I was like this. I was like... 
you're not sick. I was like, I feel, I feel sick. Do I have coronavirus or whatever? And I'm not making light of it, but I'm serious. She'll tell you. She'll be real serious. She said, yeah. She says, my crazy husband checks himself all the time for his temperature because it's a real thing. It's not going away. But over the past 18 months, we've been dealing with a lot of issues, not just coronavirus. Has anybody seen that we've been dealing with political issues? We've been dealing with uh, uh, social issues, educational issues, family issues, the destruction of the modern family, the, the biblical family, if you please. And these health issues aren't going all away. And literally what the devil has done is the devil has convinced us that the best way to do, to uh, go about dealing with all of these issues is to isolate ourselves, to get away. I don't need to fellowship with you. I don't need to be around you. I don't want to know you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to gather for worship. And I'm thankful that this room has so many people here this morning. But you know, we still have some of our church family that's not here. And I miss them. I miss them. I miss you if you're watching online. And I'd long for the day that we're back together. Because you see, the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. Living the Lone Ranger Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. And you say, well, I don't need the church. You're sorely mistaken. Now, you may be a universal church person, but let me tell you, I see over and over in Scripture plenty of evidence for the local New Testament church. All through Scripture. By the way, the early church was a local New Testament church. The church at Rome, the believers of Rome, local New Testament church. Church at Thessalonica, local New Testament church. Church at Ephesus, local New Testament church. All through Scripture, we see the local New Testament church. And one of the blessings, as well as the responsibility of Christians, is this idea of coming together as a local body, a local ecclesia, called out assembly of baptized believers for the mutual edification and growth and encouragement that we find with one another. And over the years, I'll be honest with you, kind of spurred my thought a few weeks ago. I got, a, I got a little graphic that someone was basically telling me that just because they're not in church doesn't mean they're not a part of church. I get it. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by Him. I understand those things. But there's plenty of evidence that says the church matters. The church matters. Oh yes, as I said a moment ago, the old account was settled long ago on the cross of Calvary. It was settled. It was settled. Art sent out a, text, a graphic a few couple weeks ago or whatever last week, and I saw it, and it just reminded me. That old account has been settled. But Scripture gives us a vivid importance of the church. And here, if you're a note taker here, I just want to give you a few things. It's important. Church matters, and it's important for us to be actively involved in church because, number one, here it is, the church was purchased with a high price. If there was no reason for you and I to be involved in the church, then why did Jesus die for the church? You say, whoa, brother, where do you see that Jesus died for the church? Well, sir, have you been married? If you're not married, you're thinking about getting married. In Ephesians, Paul talks to the church at Ephesus, and we'll look at it here in just a second, and he gives the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the equation for a, a, a husband uh, of successful husbandhood, if you please, to love his wife even as Christ loved and gave himself for the church. But look, I digress. Look back here in Romans chapter 10 because the author here in Hebrews is writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, is writing to a group of believers, these Jewish believers, they're wanting to throw in the towel. 
They're wanting to go back to Judaism, if you please. And so what we see here in verse 10 reveals that the only reason you and I are able to be a part of the church, to be involved with the church, is because of the high price that was paid. Look at verse number 19 and 20 of our text. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness, boldness, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. As believers, folks, the only reason we can come into God's sanctuary, i.e. his presence, is because Jesus shed his blood, and by shedding his blood, he created a new, and watch this, a new and living way. Amen? We're able to come into his presence because of what Jesus did. In fact, if you look just up a little bit, Probably on the same page of Scripture, if you look at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Well, that word remission, and I didn't give it to the guys, but the word remission means freedom. It means pardon. It means, it's speaking of my and your deliverance, our forgiveness, and our liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. Say, I'm free. The only reason you're free is because of Jesus. Well, no, brother, I live in the United States. That don't matter. That don't matter. As you can see, it doesn't matter. Your freedoms can be taken real quickly. Just look around at what's going on. The only reason you and I are free is because of Jesus. And we got to remember that. Listen, I want to read to you. Look at verse number 9. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 9 through 12. Now, I'm going to read from the CSB. It says it this way. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, then says, See, I have come to do your will. He's speaking of the Father's will. He takes away the first to establish the second. But look at verse number 10. How beautiful is verse number 10? It says, But by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. How many times? For how long? That's a high price. You know, if we're out to eat, and uh, and this has happened, crazily enough, to me, and maybe it's happened to you. You ever been in a restaurant, and then you get ready to pay, and the bill's been paid? You say, no, I've never had that happen. Well, just let me know, and I'll come pay for your meal somewhere. (laughs) I'll sneak in and pay for your meal. I don't want you to be left out. But I've had this happen where I'm like, who paid for my meal? You know what the natural response is? If somebody pays for your meal, what's the natural response? Thank you. Who did it? First, you're probably like, who paid my meal? But secondly, you want to find out, not to embarrass the person, but you want to find out to say thank you. Look at verse 10 again. Verse 10 says, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all time. What should our response be to that? He didn't just buy us a meal. He set us at liberty. He set us free. Once for all time. Oh, a high price was paid. For the church, again, husbands, Ephesians 5 tells us, husbands, love your wives. In verse 25 and following, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That same phrase we find in Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 27, that he might present it unto himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, Right or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Listen, I tell couples all the time, ladies, I know you, listen, it says to love your husbands, right? 
as the church loves Christ. Husbands, you're to love your wives as Christ loved the church. So husbands, I got some good news. You're never, well, you can be like Christ in a lot of ways, but you really want to be like Christ? Then love your wives as Christ loved and gave himself for the church. Wives, if you want to be like Christ, then love Christ as the church is called to love Christ. Without spot, without blemish. Oh, my friends, what a beautiful picture we have in Scripture. We as the church are the bride and the spouse of Jesus Christ. Guys, I know that feels weird. Like, I, I don't wear dresses, right? I know that feels weird. But we are the bride and the, the spouse of Jesus Christ. And here's the real thing. You're not fit and neither am I to be Christ's bride. You want to know how he makes us fit? Through the shedding of his blood. His mercy is more as we sang this morning. Oh, my friends, his amazing grace gives us the ability to come to gather as part of the church, but also a part of the local New Testament church during Paul's farewell address to those leaders from Ephesus. In actually Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul tells the leaders, he says, to feed the church of God. Notice he says, feed the church of God, which he, speaking of Jesus, has what? Purchased with his own blood. Oh, my friends, Jesus suffered and died for the church. We ought to take that seriously. Again, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, no freedom, no pardon. Our access to God does not come because you and I are good enough or because we deserve it or because we can afford it. Our invitation into God's presence to enjoy Him and to know Him and to worship Him is based solely and completely on the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross when He gave His life. You say, what's the big deal? Well, yes, because of his shed blood, we can individually and corporately come to Jesus. And I saw some, some faces kind of giving me a confused look when I said it was all about the church. Yes, you can come to Jesus individually and corporately and enter into God's presence. But folks, when we isolate and purposely remove ourselves from being involved in the church which Jesus Christ died for, we're essentially making light of his precious gift. He died for the church. He wants us to be involved in the church. Number two, church matters because the church is God's plan. It's not my plan. It's not your plan. It's his plan. And so if we choose to actively not participate in the church, we're actually essentially saying no. But here's what we're also doing. We're saying, no, we don't want to participate in your church. And no, Holy Spirit, we're not interested in what you're going to do in and through your church. We actually say we're, we're not interested in it. But the Bible tells us, look at verse 21. The Bible tells us that we have a high priest over the house of God. Remember, he's writing to Jewish people who had trusted Christ, who were thinking about throwing in the towel and going back to Judaism. And so for a Jewish person, who would have been in charge of the temple and the process of worship and everything? The high priest. And so the writer of Hebrews, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, is reminding us that we have a high priest, Jesus Christ, over the house of God. And so guess what? Jesus is our prophet. He's our priest. He's our king. I put it in my notes. He's large and in charge. He's large and in his charge. Yes, does he call pastors lower P? Yes, he calls and equips lower pa pastors to be involved 
to lead and to shepherd. But Jesus, if it's a, let's put it this way, if it's a church, Jesus is in charge. If it's a church, he's involved, he's in charge. Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that Jesus was made to be like us so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. Hebrews 3.6, the whole book of Hebrews is beautiful. Hebrews 3.6 declares Christ is a son over his own house whose house we are. Hebrews 4.14 tells us that Jesus is our great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 7. Turn back a page or two and look at Hebrews chapter 7. I want you to see this. When you get there, look down at verse number 24. This is a great passage. In verse number 24, the Bible says, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Isn't that good news? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Guys, he doesn't change because you and I are dealing with political issues. He doesn't change because you and I are dealing with family issues. He doesn't change because we're dealing with social issues. He doesn't change just because we're dealing with health issues. He is unchangeable, amen? Are you glad Jesus is unchangeable? That he doesn't change based on the weather. He doesn't change based on who's in charge in our country. Listen, Hebrews 4 says he's our great high priest, but look here. But this man, verse 24, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, verse 25, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us who is holy, who is harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Amen. Verse 28, For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. Which have infirmity. Guys, I am not perfect. I'm just serving as a pastor of a local New Testament church. The only one who is perfect is Jesus. He has infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forever, evermore. Guys, if, if it's a church, God's plan is that Jesus is the one in charge. Right? The church is also God's plan for carrying out the great commission. Going to all the world. And preach the gospel, right? Teaching and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Listen, there's no other plans. And every one of us make a choice when it comes to his plan. The reality is we're either going to be involved in his plan or we're not. And so I want to encourage you to be involved. Listen, there's no neutral ground. Hey, by the way, is the local New Testament church perfect? Are you looking for a perfect church? Why do, you, why do you say that the local church isn't perfect? Anybody? Yeah, someone th- I heard it over here, people. <laughs> That's right. The local church is never going to be perfect. Even this church. Now, this is going to rub the fur the wrong way. This church, shh, don't tell anybody, is filled with a bunch of sinners. What? But you know the good news? 
is we're a bunch of sinners who have been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? Woo-hoo! That ought to put some dancing shoes on. You ought to be excited that your sins have been washed, that they have been removed, that they have been cast into the depths of the sea, that Jesus Christ remembers them no more, as the Scripture says. Oh, my friends... There's no perfect church, but we've been purchased, we've been bought, we've been redeemed by the precious blood of the land. It's It's like John the Baptist said. You remember when he was there in John chapter 1 and he sees Jesus coming afar off and then he points and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Once, for how long? All time. Oh, my friends, for someone to say that they love Jesus and not the church, and I've had, that, I've had people say that before. I told the story years ago of a young man that was working down here at a local pizza shop. And I would hear him, I would go in from time to time and I would hear him say, man, I love Jesus. I just can't do church, man. Church is filled with a bunch of, bunch of crazy people, a bunch of hypocrites. Yes, yeah, so is Walmart and so is that pizza shop. But you're still in business, aren't you? He says, I just can't do it, man. I can't do it. So I kept quiet. I kept quiet, I'd listen to him, and I'd go. And back in those days, I was probably, I I had a a little bit of an addiction for this place. I was probably going two or three times a week and getting a slice of pizza and a drink or a a sub that was named after me. You guys can figure out where that place is. Um, But anyway, I would go in there, and I would hear this guy talk about how he loved Jesus, but he didn't love the church. And I said, brother, I said, uh, I said, I heard what you said about Jesus and the church. I said, kind of rubs my fur the wrong way. I said, because Jesus died for the church. Now, he gave me a YouTube video. I watched the YouTube video, which actually proved what I said to him. And so I went back to him, and I said, hey, I watched your video. He was shocked that I would even watch a YouTube video. He's like, you knew how to get on YouTube? He was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I said, yeah, I watched your video. I said, but you need to watch your video again. I said, because the guy that you told me to watch is saying a lot about the church. And so he says, I'll watch it again. I went in later. I went in later. Here's the rest of the story. This guy said he loved Jesus. You know, a lot of people say they love Jesus but don't know Jesus. He said he loved Jesus. I went back into that place a little while later. And the first thing he said, as soon as I walked through the door, he says, I know what you're talking about. And I said, what? He said, that guy, and it was a rap. He said, that guy in his rap said he loved the church because Jesus died for the church. I said, you got it, my man. Had the opportunity to invite that person to a Christmas Eve service here at Battlefield Baptist Church. And Jim, he sat right down about where you're sitting. And can I tell you that when we gave the invitation, this young man trusted Christ as his Savior. He was misguided. He didn't even know Jesus. He had just heard about Jesus. He said, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Oh, listen, to say that is problematic at the least, or at the best problematic and somewhat dangerous at the worst. But here it is. Yes, high price was was paid. Yes, the church is Jesus' plan. But here it is, wrapped up in a nutshell. The church is where some extraordinary things happen. Why should we be involved in a local New Testament church? Because the church 
is where extraordinary things happen. Look at our last few verses of our text. In verse number 22, and following, really, God's Word gives every believer three extraordinary ministries. In number one, look at verse 22, let us, plural, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, right? This is an invitation right here for you and I to experience the wonder the amazement of Jesus Christ, the Christian life. And so drawing near in worship with a true heart, that true actually means a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. It means that we're doing so that we draw together as a body of believers without doubt. When we come here, we're saying without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, we believe that God is who he says he is and that God will do exactly what he says he will do. That's what we're saying when we gather together. In fact, to be fully assured of one's faith literally means that. It means to be totally persuaded, to be certain, to be convinced of exactly who God is and who He says He is. And the only reason that we can draw near, look at verse 22. The only reason we can draw near in this full assurance of our faith is because we've been washed with the pure water of Jesus Christ. Oh, my friends, what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, listen, as a church family, we need to draw near to our high priest. Look at verse 21. We draw near back to our high priest. Verse 21 says, because he's over the house of God. He's in charge. And so we draw near to him. Faith is what God looks for. Faith proves that we trust him. And faith shows this world how much we believe and value Jesus. Look at verse 23. Verse 23 gives us another one. It says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. This is literally speaking. And some of your versions that you're reading probably use the word hope. This is speaking of our confident hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It's literally this idea, you know, 1 Peter 1 in verse number 3 tells us that, that God has begotten us again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ to a living or a lively hope. This is what this is talking about as well. Sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes it can be difficult to hold fast to the profession of our faith, can it? Anybody have difficulty sometimes holding fast to the profession of your faith without wavering? Little illustration for you. On the one day that I did go to the beach, I like to do this thing. I like to do this thing. It unnerves my wife all the time. Uh, it really does. She'll, she'll take the chair. She goes down and she'll put the chair by the water. So the water hits her legs and stuff and everything. Nah, I'm trying to swim to another island. I'm like, I go out as far as I can go. And I keep going. I'm like, I'm like way out there, and I go until like I'm on my feet on the ground, you know, and then I'm like having to do this and do this, and I keep going, and I look back on the shore, and she's like, <laughs> like my mother. She's like, come on back. You're not going anywhere. Well, what I do, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but when I get out, out in the ocean, what I do is, have you ever done this to get your feet buried kind of like in the sand, right? Watch, because the waves are rolling in. Have you ever tried to do this? Like, so I'm out there, and here come the waves. And then I get my feet back. I'm like, all right, I can take this one. This one's good. I'm going to. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful 
that promised. Folks, can I tell you this? I think, I think that if we're holding hands as a body of believers, when the waves of life, the ups and downs, the ins and outs of life come, instead of us being knocked back by the waves of life, instead of us being tossed to and fro, if we're there for one another, if we're holding hands, holding fast in the profession of our faith without wavering as a body of believers, as a local New Testament church that's convinced that God is who He says He is, I believe that we'll be better suited and better able to hold fast to the profession of our faith if we're doing it together. That's why we need one another. By the way, have you ever done this either? Have you done this too? Yvonne, I'm just going to pretend like you're my wife. I go out into the ocean. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm swimming, I'm swimming. I'm out there. And about 10 minutes later, I'm way over here. And I'm like, how did I get over here? She's way over there. So what do I have to do? I have to keep going back. And what we do is I overcorrect because I know that in five minutes later, I'll be right back in front of Krista. I'm like, man, this ocean is dangerous. This ocean is sending me down to Florida. I'm in South Carolina, and it's trying to send me to Florida. Do you know that's what the devil is trying to do? He's trying to get you off balance. When the waves of life come crashing in, when the hurt comes crashing in, when the sickness, when you lose loved ones come crashing in, That old dirty devil, he's a liar. Don't listen to him. He's a murderer. Don't listen to him. He's trying to get you, and he's trying to get me off track, which is why I believe that this is a message for the church today. The church matters because when we do it together, we do it better. It's crazy to me, but if you notice, verse 22, the first admonition given was all about our faith. The second admonition in verse 23 is all about our hope. Hold fast that that profession of faith, that hope without wavering. Be confident in the hope that you have, that living hope of Jesus Christ. And then what's amazing is we've talked about faith, hope, and then look at verse 24 and 25. It points to our love. It points to our love. So here in these three verses, we've seen faith, hope, and love combined. And look, it says, and let us consider. And that word consider means to watch out for. Take note of someone else other than ourselves. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. The simple in-your-face truth and in-my-face truth is that you and I are commanded to encourage, to help, and to watch out for one another. And guys, I got news for you. I can't do it if I'm staying at home all the time. And this is not beating anybody down. This is a message for all of us because every one of us have been there, done that. I can't do it. I can't pastor this church. I can't love on you if I never see you appropriately. You say, well, brother, you could call me. You could lift me up. Yeah, but we're not doing life together if you're not involved in the local New Testament church. I don't know your hurts and your hang-ups and your habits. I don't know when to pray for you if you don't let me know when you're having surgery. Guys, it's important. The church matters. And the devil has gotten a lot of us off track because what he's done, and even though we may be here this morning, maybe over the past 18 months you've started to slide. So, well, it's not so important. I can watch it online all the time. Yeah, we can watch online. But there's nothing like holding hands together. There's nothing like singing praise together. 
There's nothing like worshiping together. There's nothing like being in Bible study together and seeing one another grow and seeing somebody that's facing a challenge and knowing that it was the power of God and the word of God and the people of God that surrounded that person and said, listen, brother, I love you. Don't let go. I'm going to hold on to you. You hold on to me. And we'll get through this time in our life. But when we separate and when we isolate, it's very difficult to provoke one another to love and to good works. Colossians 3 tells us that if we're risen with Christ, to seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, to set our affection on things above, not on the earth. And if I go over to Matthew chapter 6, it says for us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And so I understand. Scripture says make sure first things are first. Make sure you're focused on Jesus and Him only. First, first, first. But after that, here in Scripture, we see over and over that we ought to be doing life together as a church family, watching out for one another. Every one of us, are those that have trusted Christ by faith, everyone is a recipient, partaker of His amazing grace. Every believer is loved with the same love. Every follower of Christ is redeemed with the same blood. And so this casual Christianity that seems to be sweeping the world is not what Christ intended. It's not what He instructed either. Considering one another is about caring for one another. Do we honestly care for one another? Do we love one another? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. You want to know why? Because we're family. And though sometimes family argues, fusses, and fights, we're still family. Have you ever argued, fussed, or fighted with anyone in your own family? Probably this morning. Right? Folks, there's no way that we consider one another biblically there's no way that we consider one another biblically outside of the context and the work of the local New Testament church. There's no way that you and I can faithfully obey God's word to purpose by, by separating ourselves or isolating ourselves from the very life of the church for whom Christ died. I close with this. Church matters. Church matters. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, Matthew 18, 20 reminds us that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. You want to invite Jesus into the, into the uh, meeting? Then we have to gather together. We gather. Well, I've got a wife. The two of us gather. Yes, you do, but you don't have your church family. You don't have your church family. Colossians 3.16 tells us that the word of God should be dwelling richly in us in all wisdom and that when we do that, we're going to be able to teach. We're going to be able to admonish one another in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual uh, songs. And singing, making melody in our heart. In other words, when we gather together, we're strengthened. We're able not only to teach and admonish, but we get so excited about it that we're able to sing. Early church, Acts chapter 2, need more evidence. Gathering together nurtures our souls. Take the evidence from Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 and following. It says, and they, speaking of the church, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. You say, well, I listened to the doctrine online, but you're not continuing in fellowship. The early church gathered for the doctrine and fellowship, and here's another. And guess what else they did? And breaking bread and in prayers. And fear or reverence of awe of God came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed, what does it say? Were together and had all things common. Oh listen, it nurtures our souls. Verse 46 and 47 reveal that when we gather together we proclaim the gospel. It says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Notice they, they didn't just have service on Sunday. They did it every day. 
daily in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Oh, listen, the church helps us to, it really intensifies our awareness of eternity. It does. It intensifies our awareness of, turn, of eternity. Not only when we gather together are we, commit, are we communicating a message to people all around us, it reminds us that people need Jesus. By the way, let me just tell you something like I said Wednesday night. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The things that you see on the news may make you angry, but just remember, we're not fighting against a person. We're fighting against spiritual wickednesses in high places. Okay? For us to go out here and to throw hate bombs at people and to speak evil towards one another, that's not godly. That doesn't bring God any glory. It doesn't. We can love Jesus and love the world by sharing the truth. We don't have to be angry when we share truth. I don't think I ever see that Jesus got angry to share that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. Did he ask a lot of questions? Did he point out their sinfulness? Absolutely. But he always had reconciliation in mind. And so should we. Oh, listen, the church matters. And anyone who claims to be a follower of Jesus and says that they don't need to be actively involved in a local New Testament church, to be honest, is sorely mistaken biblically. Not because Greg said so, but because the Word of God says so. And I haven't even touched a lot of the passages that we could go to to prove this out. You see, the blessings and the responsibility of the believer is actually connected to the blessings and the responsibilities of the church, right? We have no authorization to enter into the holiest of holies without Jesus Christ. Same is true as we live this life. Listen, stepping away, separating ourselves, isolating ourselves can never be an option for the committed believer of Jesus Christ. I think about what David said, and I close with this. In Psalm 122, in verse number 1, you remember what David said? He said, I was glad. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. I pray that every opportunity that our doors are open, you say in your heart, man, I was glad. When dad said, I'm, I was glad when dad said, load up the car, kiddos. All the kids are like, what? I was glad when dad and mom said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when grandma said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when mom said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I pray that that's your desire and that that's your prayer. You see, because the church matters. It matters so much that Jesus willingly died and gave himself for the church. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity just to be reminded of the importance of your church. And Lord, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have to gather on a regular basis to sing, to worship, to pray, to get into your word, to fellowship with one another, to encourage one another, to admonish one another, to be able to lift up our voices and sing with hearts full of joy, with hearts full of praise. 
that we might bless, that we might sing blessings back to you, that we might honor you with our very voices. Lord, this has been a difficult season of life. Lord, I believe that it's more important now than ever that we be reminded that you, that spiritual things, that your church, that they matter above all. It's the most important thing. You know, the Bible tells us that our life is like a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. So, Lord, help us all to make the very most of our lives by gathering together, by encouraging one another to be lifting one another, to be holding on to one another as the storms of life seek to beat us down many times. God, I love you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for their willingness to serve. I thank you for their willingness to gather for worship and to to make much of Jesus in their own lives. God, I pray that you'll continue to grow us. I pray that you'll continue to strengthen us. God, I pray that you'll continue to work through us to accomplish all that you desire, not only here in Northern Virginia, but all around the world. God, we love you and we thank you and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.